What's up, Lions of Liberty fans? You can now support this show on Patreon and get exclusive access to bonus audio and video content, including Conspiracy Corner, Degenerate Gamblers, bonus segments with guests, and so much more. Head on over to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to another edition of Felony Friday, a weekly show right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Of course, Felony Friday is the only show that focuses each and every single week on exposing injustice in this nation's broken criminal justice system. Felony Friday is one of three shows that we have here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. And you can get all three shows by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever you prefer, whatever your favorite podcasting app is. And those three shows are, in addition to Felony Friday, every Monday, we have a show hosted by Mark Clare, our longest-running program, our flagship program, where Mark interviews leaders in the liberty movement. And from time to time, about once a month, he will host a roundtable discussion as well. Every Wednesday, we have Electric Liberty Land, hosted by Brian McWilliams. That, of course, is your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and and Liberty. I got a great show lined up for you this week on Felony Friday. I got two people coming on the show to talk about prison reform, criminal justice reform, the need for clemency. Um, Two friends that I've had on the show in the past that have been a big influence on the path I've taken with this show, and uh, they've actually connected me with a lot of the guests that I've brought on. So I'll introduce them shortly in just a moment. But first, I want to let you know that since this is episode 127 of Felony Friday, that means you'll be able to find the show notes for this episode at lionsofliberty.com slash FF127. That's it. Let's get rolling with today's episode. Today on Felony Friday, I am joined by two guests that are both making their second appearance on Felony Friday. And I wanted to, and I asked these two to come back on the show to help to shine a light on some stories of some nonviolent offenders who are still incarcerated today, who did not get released during the wave uh, towards the end of Obama's second term, um, and where many people, many, many people were granted clemency, but many also were left behind. So uh, I'll just get started right away and introduce uh, the first guest here. She is Amy Pova. Amy appeared back on episode 65 of Felony Friday. She's the founder of the Can Do Foundation. Uh, Can Do is a nonprofit foundation that advocates for clemency for all nonviolent offenders. And Amy, I'll just tell you real quickly about her story. But if you want to hear the whole story, which I suggest you should go back and listen to episode 65, she received a 24-year sentence when she was 28 years old, and her crime was essentially uh, refusing to cooperate with the feds as they were infiltrating her husband's, her then husband's ecstasy ring. And Amy never stopped fighting. And she ended up after uh, attracting uh, really national media attention and through a massive letter writing campaign, which garnered support from members of the House and Senate. 
she was able to uh, get clemency. And she got clemency back in July of 2000. So, Amy, welcome back to Felony Friday. Oh, thank you so much for having me, John. We love Felony Friday and Lions of Liberty. Well, thanks for coming back on the show. And um, I'll come back to you. Somebody I want to talk to you about, but I want to introduce the other person that people are seeing on the screen here. So they're probably wondering. And that is Malik King. And Malik appeared back on episode 67 of Felony Friday. He is the prison outreach coordinator for the, for the Can Do Foundation. Uh, he's a prison activist and he advocates. Um, he opposes mandatory minimums, cruel and unusual punishments, torture, of course, including being opposed to solitary confinement and draconian sentences that do not fit the crime. And between Malik and Amy, um, these two have been sort of behind the scenes producing Felony Friday. <laughs> uh, helping me uh, meet and communicate and have these great interviews with so many people who have come on this show and just shared amazing stories. So Malik, welcome back to Felony Friday. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. So guys, uh, let's just dive right into it. And I know you've both been super busy with different things. The first thing I wanted to talk to Amy about, I know that you were recently in Washington, D.C. at the White House. So you could tell us what you were doing there and, and how that went for you. Well, I considered it an honor and a privilege. I um, have been in this work for many years, including nine years while I was incarcerated, 18 years uh, since I was set free by President Clinton. And I have seen a lot of bills in my time, criminal justice reform bills. And um, of course, they're never perfect. They never give there's never a bill that has everything we want in it. Uh, but the prison reform bill that Jared Kushner is uh, championing and uh, also uh, Republican Representative Collins and uh, Hakeem Jeffries, who's a Democrat, has bipartisan support. They co-sponsored the bills, the bill, um, which is now called the First Step Act. Uh, I have to admit, there was a lot of um, noise about the bill and uh, different, completely different opposing views. So when in doubt, read it yourself, right? I tend to stick to my lane and I try to work um, with uh, clemency, but also uh, different things that are going on inside the prison system. So I'm very, very busy communicating directly one-on-one -on -one with prisoners as is Malik. And so I tend to let the legislative things be um, digested and advocated by organizations that uh, uh, are experts in that field and that it's in their mission statement to, uh, to work on legislative issues. But I read the bill and I was shocked because uh, for possibly the first time, maybe not the first time, but um, I read a bill that did not introduce um, additional mandatory minimums and a lot of stuff in there that I would oppose. It was very heavy on some great prison reform um, issues that we are feel strongly about, like not shackling uh, pregnant women during child labor to the bed, uh, more good time credits. Uh, we fought for a long time to try to get the 54 good days um, implemented, which I received 54. 
good days per year uh, when I was in there. We all did. And somehow the BOP came up with a loophole and said, we really only have to give them 47 years, uh, excuse me, 47 days, because it shouldn't be based on the sentence the judge gave them. It should be based on the sentence that they're going to serve. So, you know, they get so little, the prisoners get so little. And then to take that away, this bill puts that back. Um, wardens can no longer deny somebody compassionate release just because they can and say, no, that's the problem. And that's why nobody gets compassionate release because a warden can just say, no, he doesn't have to give a reason. This provides oversight and uh, accountability. You can terminally ill patients can now ask for a sentence reduction 72 hours after they are diagnosed with a terminally ill condition. Um, their attorney and their family members have to be made aware of it. I could go on and on and on, but I don't want to take up all the time on that. But I uh, saw so many wonderful things in this bill that I, I was actually shocked that there were so many people, so many organizations on the left that were opposing it. So I got on board um, together with uh, other organizations like Cut 50 and um, BAM, and uh, we were asked to go to the White House. So that was quite an experience. Um, and uh, I, I found it, I was also asked to speak on women's issues on a, uh, in a workshop. Uh, so we did all of that at the Eisenhower office building, which is where we always went during the Obama administration. Anytime there was a summit or anything going on, when we were invited to the White House, we were in the Eisenhower office building. This time, what made this a little bit different, especially for me, was that after we had our event at the Eisenhower office building, we all walked over to the White House and it was an incredible uh, presentation because we went into the East Wing and then after that, we were all escorted into the large room where they had the big press conference and everybody was there. Um, Mike Pence, uh, uh, Ivanka and Jared, of course, um, President Trump came in and spoke. Um, so all the uh, Jeff Sessions was sitting on the front row. So it was interesting. A little bit awkward for Jeff Sessions. It, it was one of those things where you just wish you could get, you know, a little bit of FaceTime with him. But um, uh, Topeka Sam and uh, Jessica from, from Cut 50, uh, Van Jones, uh, mod Van Jones moderated. And um, so it was wonderful to have Topeka Sam, a formerly incarcerated woman, sit on that stage and address uh, everyone in the audience, which again included Jeff Sessions. I thought it was incredibly rewarding and I felt wonderfully represented by a formerly incarcerated woman who, uh, for the maybe the first time, I don't know, maybe the first time ever, Jeff Sessions had to sit there and listen to what she had to say. And um, I think we need more of that because we can't change minds and make progress inside an echo chamber. We have to start talking to those who need to hear what we have to say, because you never know what can move somebody's heart. Yeah, I think uh, too often, especially in today's social media world, we get stuck in these little echo chambers or little Facebook groups, and we're talking to people that we agree with. And that's not going to move policy. That's not going to change things. So you're 100% right. And I love the video you posted, um, Van Jones, talking about the, the need for people to, people on the left, especially. I think the video was directed to people on the left because there was so much opposition, as you said, where 
you know, I mean, this might be surprising that this is happening, but it, but it's happening. So you got to take advantage of it. And I mean, there's a lot of stuff I don't agree with Van Jones on, but criminal justice wise, prison reform wise, I'm, I mean, I'm fully on board. I'll, I'll support him all the way. So um, I, I think it's, it's, it's great. And hopefully this is just the, the very beginning of, uh, of things to come. Mm-hmm. But Malik, I wanted I wanted to ask you. You have something pretty exciting happening here in the next uh, next couple hours. So maybe if you could share share what that is. Yes. Yeah, so um, the individual's name is Timothy Tyler. He got locked up somewhere around like 1991 for um, I think it was possession with intent to distribute LSD, and he was locked up for. 26 years so today he just got out so about 9 30 eastern standard time i'm supposed to meet him down at the greyhound station on his way back to vegas so that should be exciting we'll go down there meet him take some pictures you know try to show him how to use a cell phone a little bit more real quick because <laughs> he's having some hard times he has a brand new whatever samsung galaxy galaxy 7 or whatever it is so of course he's lost yeah so how long have you been uh, communicating with him, writing letters uh, back? Tim, maybe like about, I don't know, five years maybe or something like that. And what was, he, what was he in for? Um, so he was like, you know, with the Grateful Dead crowd. And what happened to him was um, some of his friends, I think back in Florida, wanted uh, him to send tabs of LSD um, from the Grateful Dead venues. So he was sending the, the LSD tabs back and f- back to his friends. His friends, of course, got arrested. Tim had no idea that his friends got arrested. His friends told them that the uh, shipment got lost in the mail and to send more. So all that was being recorded. Tim had no idea he sent more. And as a result, you know, the uh, Fed set him up and gave him one of those long sentences. And, you know, they calculated the weight. They, yeah, they, count, they counted the weight of the paper and everything that all the LSD was on, and that pushed them over the scale. You know, they, they enhanced them and gave him life. So h- how did he get out? How's he getting out now then? Yeah, clemency. Then he had to go through the um, infamous RDAP program. You know, so okay. he's just completing all that, and now he's on his way home. So he was granted clemency under the previous administration? Right, right by number 45. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I don't say his, no, I don't say his name, so I just call him number 45. How come you don't say his name? Because he doesn't deserve to be a president. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) I would never call him President Trump, never. Oh, okay, but Obama's the one who, I thought you were talking about Obama. No, 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 no. Okay. President Obama, President Obama, Trump is number 45. 44, yeah, right, right. Okay. I hear you, I hear you. Okay, well, uh, I mean, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing those pictures. Then yeah, definitely. You'll see interview, We can post, post a, a link to wherever you have those as well, or maybe I'll, we'll put them in the show, on the show notes page. Yeah, I'm going to send them to probably like to Amy probably tomorrow at some point, so she'll have them ASAP. Malik patched me in, and I, we got to talk to Tim earlier a few hours ago, and that's what really is the most rewarding part of this job is um, getting that phone call where uh, you get to do the big Yahoo and um, Tim is, he was serving a life sentence and um, it, it really is what fuels us and what keeps us fighting for everybody else. 
I'll bet. And I mean, it, it must be sort of, I don't know what the right word is, but it must not be easy for, for the past two years, really, where you had just, it had to be euphoria, where you had so many people getting out. And then it's just like turning off a, a water spigot. Just it just stopped. Well, I'd like to weigh in on that a little bit because um, I I really try to leave politics at the door. I just try to do my work. And uh, Obama didn't grant any until his second term. And uh, of course, there was actually quite a bit of criticism in the media uh, during his first term saying, you know, calling him the stingiest president and stuff like that. And some of us were chiming in, but he really delivered. He, he got busy. We, we wished he'd started a little bit sooner because that, you know, when you have that many people filing, uh, it created a, a paperwork nightmare and a lot of people got passed over. In fact, in my view, some of the best candidates got passed over. Um, Alice Johnson was one of them. She was number one on the top 25 and everybody on the top 25, the original top 25, because I always put somebody up as soon as somebody comes off. But the original top 25 only has three people uh, left that are still in. And what was really insulting was that Alice was always on the number one spot. Sometimes people would move, but she was always number one. So it almost was a little bit personal for me because I really looked at the details of her case and her warden supported her clemency. That's very rare. Wardens do not like to write letters because then they get a deluge of why won't you write for me? And she's so, she was so loved probably isn't the right word, but she was so respected by the warden for the plays that she put on and the work that she did and the women that she helped um, that they had a special place for Alice in their heart and other staff vote for her. So we're really hoping that president Trump is going to step up. And in fact, we've been working really hard lately um, getting uh, people to, to support her clemency and um, fingers crossed because we do need some more energy in, with regard to commutations and pot prisoners, people who are serving life for pot and women were particularly, in my view, passed over because only 105 women out of 1,715 people uh, received clemency um, under the Obama administration. And the women get got really butchered in the 90s due to the conspiracy law. And I say this a lot, so I'm going to say it again, because I get pushback that, well, you know, there's the percentage of women who got clemency sort of match the percentage of women who are in prison, women to men. But I don't accept that, that theory, because I met so many women who are in there behind the actions of a boyfriend, a man, uh, even sometimes a family member, son, grandson, but I don't know that many men who are in prison because uh, they were married to a woman or some woman in their life was a big king, queen pin, and they're sitting in prison serving a life sentence due to the actions of a woman. There may be a few, but I guarantee you it's very few, but women are in there based on the conspiracy law transferring guilt from one person to the other. So you're just as guilty as the 
the biggest kingpin in the case, even if you were one little spoke in the wheel and gave somebody a ride or something like that, or just, just collected some money. Right. We don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. Those epic words from Archilochus can sum up your ability to succeed or fail in business. I want to recommend Conversation Mat Time to our listeners as a way to hone your one-on-one conversation skills in a role-playing session that can help take you to the next level. During 25-minute sessions, you'll work through the best way to approach that raise, that interview, or that relationship with a practice professional that will provide the confidence and experience you need to get paid what you're worth or take that interpersonal risk you've never been able to conquer. Just like in jiu-jitsu, the difference between a novice and a black belt is mat time. Train to win. Visit conversationmattime.com. Once again, that is conversationmattime.com. So what what is Alice in for? She's serving life. Uh, once again, it's conspiracy. It's mm-hmm. a conspiracy drug case. Like, I really don't know very many cases in the federal system that aren't conspiracy cases. Yeah, so you're talking about your your top 25 list, and you update it whenever anyone gets clemency. So there's Alice, and then who are the the two others from the from the original? Oh, from the original, uh, you know, I've got the I've got the list here. Actually. Sorry to put you on the spot. But. Oh no, that's okay. I've got the uh, Barbara Pacheco and uh, Mel- uh, Melissa Trigg. She should have received it. And uh, I, I no longer count Lori Cavitz because Lori Cavitz walked out of prison just the other day, but she should have received it. And she was on the original one and uh, she served all of her time. Her judge even wrote a letter begging the pardon attorney to set her free because he uh, he gave a huge speech the day he sentenced her that he didn't want to give her 24 years. And. I'll never know why the Office of the Pardon Attorney and the Department of Justice chose to not give clemency to some of these. But I do know I'm not blaming Obama uh, for not knowing about the cases, because if they don't send them over to the White House, he can't sign them. And a lot of them just did not get submitted over there that should have gotten a favorable recommendation. So you think really some of it was just too much paperwork? And they just got it was probably because the prosecutor was against them getting it. And we know that for a fact on some of them that the Department of Justice leans in favor of what the prosecutor says and they get to weigh in. And so often if the prosecutor is adamant and still maybe angry that you wouldn't cooperate or, you know, who knows, some of these cases, the drug amounts got embellished and, um, not all these cases are perfect cases with regard to uh, the way the trial went or the convictions or the forced testimony. So I, I won't, I, you know, I shouldn't speculate, but I think that there was probably pushback from um, whoever was prosecuting the case. And, and, and also, yeah, there was just so much paperwork. It was, it was a logistics nightmare. So Malik, for for you, because I know you're still communicating, you know, you're writing letters and talking with a lot of people that are still in. Are there any 
couple cases that really jump out to you as people who, who were passed over? Um, Craig Cecil, definitely Craig Cecil. Um, he's a pot lifer and, um, uh, what's his name? There's another gentleman named Aaron Sandusky. He's a pot, he's a pot offender also, but, um, I think Michael he has, Peltier. Michael, Michael Peltier. How, so how long have, uh, well, starting with Jeff Cecil, how long has he been in for? Craig, Craig, Craig sorry, Craig Cecil. He's been in, he's been in over 20 years. I know that. I don't know exactly what year he went in, but he's been in for over, over 20, over 25 years. Just for marijuana. Mm-hmm. Believable. And then the second one you said, is that still, is that, is that 20 years around there? Um, Aaron Sandusky. Mm. He got 10 years. Aaron got 10 years for medical marijuana. So he, um, he, he hasn't served as long as some of the other ones, but his case was very offensive because it was, he, he was doing everything within the legal parameters of California, the proposition way. So, but the feds. Oh, so this was Aaron Sandusky was one of the, uh, during the very, a lot of people forget about this. It's crazy. It even happened during the beginning of the Obama administration. He was raiding, um, legal dispensaries in California. Right. So is that, is that where he got caught? Hmm. Yeah. Yes, it was. I'm pretty sure he was an Obama era case. I went to his trial uh, when they were doing jury selection, it was here in Los Angeles. And the sad thing, uh, this is another thing about why I support the uh, First Step Act, the prison reform bill that uh, Trump has said that he will sign if if we can get it to his desk. Uh, Aaron Sandusky, from, from the time that he was sentenced, he's lived here, he's a native Californian. He's been, he's lived here his entire life. His fiancee, Darlene, lives only 30 minutes from Victorville. And Aaron was sent to a federal institution in Texas. And nobody would ever give him a reason why he wasn't put in one of the institutions here in California, of which we have many. Uh, although every time he would come up for, it's called team where you go in front of your case manager and everything like that. He would ask every time for a transfer, every time they'd say no. And now he has to do the RDAP program and they're sending him to Florence, Colorado, where it's so far for his fiance to, to, to be able to, she has flying to Denver and then she'll have to drive two hours. So the prison reform act will strongly uh, in lean on the Bureau of Prisons to put a prisoner closer to home if possible. Well, that, that's good. And that's probably something a lot of people don't even think about. But even if you're talking about, you know, we're talking about nonviolent offenders here, but even if we're talking about violent offenders who are scheduled to get out eventually, they're going to get out of prison. And when they do get out, you want them to be, you know, you don't want them to be angry. You want them to be reformed and um, one way to help that is to be closer to family and loved ones, people who can help them. Sending someone to the other side of the country, what the heck's that going to do? I mean, <laughs> no, it's awful. And I'd, I'd like to just chime in a little bit because there are some cases that are pending that were never denied by the Obama administration. And one of them, um, as Malik 
uh, referenced, I don't know if you heard him, was Michael Peltier. He He's a paraplegic. He lost the use of his legs at the age of 14. And uh, his brother ran over him. They had a potato farm on the family with a tra- with a trailer, with a tractor, excuse me. And at a very young age, as a teenager, he learned that marijuana eased his pain much more so than all the opioids and all the, the harsh uh, pharmaceuticals that he was uh, being prescribed. And so little by little, he started bringing over uh, weed because he lived just under the Canadian border. And uh, over time, he started bringing more uh, during his life. And then he also found that this was a way for him to make some money where he wasn't a huge burden upon his family. And he's serving life for marijuana and Maine recently legalized. So he's from a state that has legalized it. Everybody else now can cash in and do what he was doing and what he was driven to do for all the right reasons that we now know um, marijuana uh, has medicinal properties that the DEA and the Department of Justice refuses to um, accept. And his case was never denied by Obama. It's still pending. And we're hopeful that um, we can get, you know, some more cases and get them some media exposure as well. Um, like, you know, Alice is, is, has gone viral. Alice Johnson's case has gone viral. And sadly, that really does help. Not everybody has those connections, but it does help. I would like to suggest that more celebrities take the time to pick a case or two cases and lift them up. You know, you don't have to just talk in a broad sweep about being against mass incarceration. There are people on our website um, who, if you would just lift them up and make your fan base aware, you know how many people don't even believe me when I say that there are people serving life for pot? Most people still are like, nah, yeah. no way. I meet people all the time that don't believe me. It's it's crazy. Well, celebrities could help change that arc if they mm-hmm. would, you know, put some faces up. Uh, have, you, people. have you had any celebrities reach out or have you had any interactions with Can Do with celebrities? Uh, not that much. We've mm-hmm. interacted with some. I've certainly pitched to several and, um, You know, I even was able to talk to Bill Maher and asked him to please, would he talk about clemency on his show before Obama even mentioned the clemency initiative? Uh, I had been at Bill Maher's house once, and I know somebody who knows him really well. And I don't think he believed me that there were pot lifers. Uh, He did go on a diatribe for about 10 minutes on his show. And I, you know, this may sound self-serving, but I sent him the information. I also sent him um, the documentary that we did 420. And I told him uh, about the last three presidents because he didn't think that George Bush had ever admitted to doing drugs. And I said, oh, no, he has. It's in our documentary where somebody uh, was recording him and asked him if he had ever smoked marijuana. and he wouldn't answer the question. He said he wasn't going to answer that because he said, I don't want some kids saying, Hey, president Bush smoked it. I think I will. 
And so that was kind of an admission because otherwise he would just say, no, I've never smoked it. And Mar covered all those points on his show and then went real heavy on uh, President Obama to please start granting clemency. And, um, and I had bugged him twice to please talk about clemency on his show. I think a lot of times too, like, and I may be wrong, but sometimes I think the celebrities don't want to get too involved because they may fear that they're people that em- endorse them and back them and pay the millions of dollars to pitch their product will drop them. So they, you know, then a lot of, and a lot of those companies that are pitched that they're pitching for probably have ties in some way to, you know, the prison industrial complex or private prison. So, you know. And they don't know uh, always, I'm, th- you're right, Malik. And they, they listen to their um, lawyers and agents and publicists and, they don't know if there's something buried inside that case that they don't know about. They all tend to think, well, there's got to be more to the story. So, and, and, and they do listen to what they're told by the people that are circling them that they, yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah. I, I guess it's kind of like, it's a weird comparison, but it's kind of like with the Super Bowl, how the Super Bowl halftime show, it's always like the, the biggest band. It's always, I can't miss plays the Super Bowl halftime show. They don't, want to, they don't want to take a risk with that. It's the same thing with celebrities um, helping, you know, reaching out, speaking out about somebody who's serving life for marijuana. You know, they could be right and they could set someone free, but what's, what's the payoff? Just like Malik was saying, I mean, they could be getting endorsement deals, millions and millions of dollars. And uh, it's, it's sick to say it because these celebrities are already filthy rich. And if they see a clear moral injustice, you would hope that they would – reach out and try to try to make it make a difference but money talks i guess i don't know but i think eventually there will be a tipping point and i don't know how we're going to get there or what that tipping point will be and it could it could come real quick i think depending what happens um i think we will reach a tipping point where maybe with the once a couple speak out the more can speak out and then it's just a it's a wave that kind of that kind of just takes over but right and and just for the heck of it if you don't mind i'd I just really want to uh, spotlight a few people who are pending. Um, yeah, uh, Clarissa Burgoon is serving 20 years, and um, her case has recently been filed. Rhonda Turpin is pending. It was never denied under the Obama administration. And in fact, a lot of people who had white collar crime, it's almost like I think the Office of the Pardon Attorney set those sides, those cases aside because uh, they were fo- focusing on drug cases. Because we noticed that a lot of the white collar crime, which might appeal to the Trump administration, um, never received a denial. And um, that includes uh, Elizabeth Rushing. She's a white collar crime. She's serving 24 years. She's a first offender. Hers is still pending. Tanisha Bannister is pending. Shalana McFarland was white collar, um, serving 30 years, first offender. She's still pending. Uh, Tynese Hall just recently filed again. Um, so uh, hers is pending. And Roberta Bell is one of those cases that, you know, sometimes people want to shy away from anybody that has any violence in their case, which gets very frustrating for me because we've got a couple of cases uh, like Danielle Metz, who who made it out during the Obama administration. Um, I, I hate that scarlet letter where violence was involved because it, 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 it just, it's sort of 
um, projects onto everybody, even if they had nothing to do with a murder, they didn't know about it. It wasn't at their hand. Michelle West is a perfect example where they gave full immunity to a murder. He never served a day if he would just testify against uh, Michelle and one other gentleman. Uh, Michelle was kind of like my situation. She w- she was sort of a girlfriend and worked for the person who who ordered a hit, and she wasn't involved in that. And so she's serving two life sentences plus 50 years. But the offensive part is that the murderer never served a day. So if the Department of Justice doesn't have any problem with releasing murders uh, back into society, believe you me, they're not really worried about our safety. It's all about cooperation. Roberta Bell, her co-defendant who did murder somebody, um, was re- released recently. He he um, he won his appeal. He's out. She just drove a car, uh, was acquitted at the state level, and the feds picked up her case. And we're really praying that she also is released. But her case is still pending. Her clemency petition is still pending. It was never denied. And um, and and as Malik pointed out, um, we've got several men and several pot lifers. Um, who are so deserving. So we need some energy (laughs) with regard to clemency and commutation. We want to bring it back, bring it back. Well, hopefully uh, this show can bring some energy to that. That's why I want to have you guys back on. And I also wanted to to thank both of you because you've done so much with just with Felony Friday, with bringing so many great, incredible stories that I know are having impacts to, to people listening and picking up these stories and, uh, and giving others inspiration. We're going to get Tim Tyler on next. ASAP. Absolutely. Heck yeah. As soon as he learns how to use that phone and a computer, we're going to get him on. <laughs> Malik talks to, I think everybody calls Malik first. He's like the go-to when somebody gets out, they call Malik. So Malik is really the guy who can plug you in with, um, with the the people who've come out and are still coming out. And also he's hands-on. He walked uh, Cheryl, was it Cheryl Howard or Carolyn Bell? Which when she was buying it, she was at a uh, Dollar Tree and Malik walked her through the place and told her what to do. (laughs) That was Cheryl Howard. Yeah, she was on, she was on, she was, she was on, uh, she was on uh, FaceTime on her phone. So you know, I watched her walk up and down all the aisles. It was her first time going shopping in 24 years. So she had, she had no idea what she was doing. So I told Cheryl, this is all on FaceTime. I said, the first um, clerk that you see, just tell him, look, I just got out of prison after 24 years and I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Cheryl was like, should I say that? And I'm saying, yeah. So Cheryl said, okay, I'm going to do it, Malik. You better not you'd be wrong. So she held her phone up and, you know, I saw the whole transaction. And then the, the girl in the store you know, took her time and pointed out at all the aisles to her and where she needs to go for earrings and where she needs to go for this and that. And then the funny thing is when she got to the checkout line, she didn't know how to use the debit card. <laughs> she didn't know how to use her debit card. So she's all still on FaceTime. And she's telling me to guide her through it and telling her, no, you're on your own now. Welcome home to the real world. So she's like, no, don't do it now because people are behind me. And if I tell the guy to cash register, that I've been in prison, people online will hear me and so forth and blah, 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 blah. So she was standing there waiting and the cashier is looking at her like, what are you waiting for? Put your card in. 
Cheryl doesn't know what to do. So she's whispering in the phone, like, what do I do, Malik? What do I do? I said, I don't know, let's figure it out. Welcome home. You know, so finally the the clerk, um, you know, kind of said, insert your card. So she kind of didn't really know which way to put it in, but she got it in. And then she didn't know what the next step was after she got it in. And then finally the clerk told her something like push debit or whatever. And then she got the transaction done. And then uh, on the way home, back to the halfway house, you know, she was still on FaceTime. And uh, I can hear people asking her for a dollar, like, does she have any spare change? And she's like, should I give them some spare change? I'm like, no, you're not supposed to talk to stop to anybody going back and forth to the halfway house, just walking a straight line. So Cheryl is like, I feel so bad. They live in so much need. She says, I'm going to go back into the store. She said, I'm going to go back into the store and see if anybody from the halfway house is following me. And then if I don't think anybody's following me, I'm going to go outside the halfway go outside the store, and then when I walk past one of the guys, I'm just going to drop the dollar on the ground, let them pick it up themselves. So that's what she did. So she could get in trouble for giving someone a dollar on the street? Well, she's not supposed to stop and talk to anybody, you know, from what she told me. as She's going to and from the, from the halfway house, you know, on her passage. So there's no interaction with anybody on the outside. And I told her probably, the reason for it probably is like, somebody can pass something to her and she doesn't, may not even know it. Next thing you know, she's back in prison. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a crazy story. It's something you would never even think about. I mean, oh, yeah, it was so interesting. In prison, just just figuring out how to how to shop at a store. I mean, yeah, it was a, it was amazing watching her try to figure it out. Yeah, I'd like to add um, to Malik's point. Um, people just want to believe want to believe that things rules have some logical basis, but. Ramona Brandt, God rest her soul, she was in the halfway house and they let you go out to um, on a shopping day and you have to tell them where you're going to go. And she needed to go to um, the Burlington. She wanted to get a coat. She wanted to go to Walmart and she wanted to go to one other place. I can't remember now. And so she came back. And she gave them the receipts. And they always, the first thing they do is they look at their receipts and they look at the timestamp. And the horrible thing is that they don't tell you that to be sure to go to the stores that they write down in that order. It's almost like a gotcha. So when she came back, they said, oh, you went to the right stores, but in the wrong sequence. And they wrote her up because she didn't go in the right sequence, which of course, you're going to go whichever is, you know, like mileage wise, however, it works out best. So you can get back to the halfway house on time. And, you know, they almost don't tell you intentionally so that they can just sort of um, enforce that you're a failure. A lot of that happens where they set you up to fail instead of helping you, which is the original intent of that transitional phase. And so, yeah, as Malik points out, if if they were to even ask you questions and you could say, oh, well, you know, I gave, gave, gave a homeless person, you know, I don't even know if it's against the rules, but if it is, they could write you up for it. How, I mean, feel free either of you to chime in, but how would you fix that? I mean, I would think you'd have to somehow find a way to incentivize, um, you know, there not being recidivism. You know, somebody comes to your halfway house and they don't come back through again, some sort of incentive. Like, you guys have right. any thoughts on that? 
Yeah, they need to retrain staff. But Malik, you probably have some ideas with that. I don't know, because it varies from halfway house to halfway house. You know, like the place, like where Cheryl Howard is at, you know, like they're writing her up because if she has, uh, you know, problems remembering things. So, you know, she's gotten written up or she has paperwork showing that she has problems, you know, with memory. But yet, you know, they're writing her up for stuff like, you know, not putting her combination lock on her locker when she's gone or when she's not around, you know. I'm going to get her on the show, John. She can tell you the story better than I could. I'll get it. I'll, I'll do, I'll do. Yeah, we'll wait till she's out of the halfway house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't want to probably, probably no podcasting from the halfway house. That's yeah. probably probably a rule. And yeah. they and, and they and 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 while she was at the halfway house, I forgot what it was, but they locked her up. So she did two days in jail while she was at the halfway house. And then they apologized. <laughs> and then they apologized. So, and somebody else apologized for it. But yeah, we probably shouldn't talk about that until she's out of the halfway house because they really get super sensitive that, you know, we even discuss what goes on in there. Which Um, is nuts. I mean, this is the United States of America. I mean, freedom of speech. You're allowed to be criticized. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, unfortunately we're running out of time, but I just want to give you each some time to some closing words and, and really, Anything you want to say? So we'll start with Malik. Well, I definitely want to tell you to keep up the good work that you're doing, John. And, um, you know, I'll definitely send some people your way to come on the show. Um, Timothy, for sure. Cheryl, when she gets out of the halfway house. And um, there are a few other people. Maybe we can get Lori to come on the show, too, that Amy talked about earlier. Lori Cabot's. We can get her on. Okay. And um, maybe Candace Shipman and a few other people. A few few more women because we don't seem to get that many women on the show we've had a, we've had a few I, I don't know it has probably hasn't been 50 50 but it's been it's been close to that i think i'd have to go back and look Can yeah well words, yes i you know it's such a butter everything is seems to be bittersweet um because as you said there was just so many people coming up during the Obama administration, we were all celebrating and it was a wonderful feeling. And um, each time I would celebrate when a list would come out, Malik was the same way. We would also be looking down that list for certain names. And it's very rare in your lifetime that you will find a situation where you will be incredibly happy and sad simultaneously. At the exact same time, in fact, I would get kind of a migraine headache from it because I was so conflicted inside of myself, um, feeling sad for the people who were not on that list and their children, like um, Mikkel West, who you know, and and uh, Michelle's daughter and and Alice's children and and so many that we're friends with. So um, I just really want to encourage the Trump administration to um, take a good look at, because he can be a hero here for the people who got passed over um, for whatever reasons. And I think the women and the pop prisoners really need a hard look because they kind of got shafted and, and I'm not trying to blame. I'm just saying um, I'm, I was disappointed 
And so uh, we're just going to keep going hard with this and pushing for, um, for clemency. And we want to see some sentencing reform. Everybody that's opposed to the prison reform bill is unhappy with it because it doesn't also include sentencing reform. But what I keep telling people is that if you would, if you would um, push for it as it goes through the Senate level, it can be amended. Um, we feel Grassley is going to dig in and probably want some things. And when was the last time you ever heard politicians arguing with one another because they want more um, perks and reform in our favor? Usually they were fighting because, you know, they didn't want to look soft on crime. The narrative has changed. And now we almost have them arguing with one another because they're saying, well, no, it doesn't go far enough. So this could be a win-win if we will allow the bill to gain momentum and uh, there's nothing wrong also in having the prison reform bill and our sentencing reform advocates don't go away. If the prison reform bill is passed, we're still going to fight for sentencing reform. Right. Yeah. In, in, in the Senate, like you were saying, there's even, I mean, there's some Republicans that I'm sure are going to want more like uh, Senator Rand Paul, Senator Mike Lee. I feel like I'm forgetting a third, but, uh, yeah, so they're very. They welcome. want the nine twenty four C in there, and right. we do too. Yeah, so it'll so. be interesting to watch, and uh, just want to say thank you guys once again for coming on the show. Thank you, and uh, look forward to uh, you guys sending more people my <laughs> way and sharing their great stories with uh, wonderful Felony Friday listeners. So Definitely. Thank you guys. Thank you, John. All right, We're back to work. Have a great night. Thank you. Bye-bye. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode truly as much as I enjoyed recording it and getting to sit down with Amy and Malik and hearing really the the stories, stuff that is happening right now in their lives through the contacts that they've made, through their outreach, through their activism, just incredible things that are happening. I'm not exaggerating when I say this, that this show, Felony Friday, would not be what it is today. I would not have gotten the incredible guests, many of the incredible guests I've gotten so far. Um, I could I could name them all. There's really too many to even count. I would not have gotten m- most of them without help from Amy Pova and Malik King. Um, Malik King especially has been instrumental. Uh, both of them are so connected. They know everybody in this movement. They stay in such close contact with so many nonviolent offenders across the country who are locked up and can't get out, and they're helping, fighting every single day to get these individuals clemency. You know, I think it's interesting that on this episode, we recorded this before uh, Kim Kardashian met with President Donald Trump to talk about getting clemency for Alice Johnson, uh, the 63-year-old grandmother who is in prison uh, for a conspiracy charge. And we talked about that on the show a little bit. And Kim Kardashian met with President Donald Trump. And it was kind of interesting because at the time when it happened, day of that night, there were a lot of people on Facebook, a lot of people who I'm friends with on Facebook who've been on this show in the past too, who were not in favor of it. They thought it was bad. They thought Kim Kardashian was out of line for stepping in and meeting with Donald Trump. Leave it, they, you know, to paraphrase them, they would say, leave it up to the activists. This is, you're out of your element here, Kim Kardashian. And I liked, I just want to 
bring this back to today's episode because what Amy Pova was talking about, the need to get celebrities involved, the need to get more celebrities involved, it is so important. And I have no problem. I have zero, zero issue with Kim Kardashian getting involved in meeting with President Donald Trump. And I hope she's genuine. I hope she actually cares. But honestly, even if it's not genuine, even if she's doing it just for selfish reasons, just to get, I don't know, people to to like her more or to think she's a better person, which uh, maybe she is, maybe she isn't. I have no idea. The point being is, whether you like it or not, Kim Kardashian has millions, millions of followers, millions of young people who look up to her, who look up to everything she does. They follow her on Twitter, on Instagram, on Snapchat, everything. And if she's talking about the need for clemency for a nonviolent offender, if she's talking about the need for prison reform, for criminal justice reform, this is exposing that issue to millions of young people, and you can't beat that. You cannot beat that. That is how you win this game in politics today. That is how, as libertarians, when I say libertarians, I'm talking about the philosophy, where you understand that it's not right to lock someone in a cage for a consensual transaction. Even if it's only that little piece that you understand, then you know I'm, I'm on board with you. I agree with you, and let's form a coalition. We don't need to agree on everything. Uh, this coalition on prison reform, on criminal justice reform, on getting clemency for these nonviolent offenders on ending the war on drugs. We don't need to agree on everything. All we need to agree on is the key issues that the way that this system has operated for years and years and years, for decades, has been inhumane, has been barbaric. In 10, 15, 20 years, when we look back on this, we're going to be ashamed. We'll be ashamed of the people we were, of how we let this occur in this so-called democracy that we have here in the United States of America. So thank you for letting me rant about that today. And I just want to say thank you again to Malik King and Amy Pova for coming on this show. I have so much respect for the both of you. Um, I just want to say one more note, and then I'll close up the show. I just want to remind everyone out there listening today, if you enjoy this show, if you think it's important, if you'd like it to reach more people, then please consider joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. Uh, you get perks, you get bonus content, you get merchandise, you get to interact with us depending on the level that you join. We have conference calls and, and things like that, and we have uh, newsletters we send out uh, every day. So there's different levels you can join at from five all the way up to 25, and I think we do still have one more spot left at $100 per month. But just for that $5 a month, uh, you can get access to all of our bonus content we release, which is we have a couple of recurring shows that we do, Degenerate Gamblers, Conspiracy Corner. Um, Brian, from time to time, will do an extra episode of Electric Liberty, Electric Liberty Land. Uh, Mark has done some Ask Me Anything episodes. I do some Felony Friday bonus Is It a Crime episodes from time to time. Just great content. And... Honestly, we do this extra content because we want to grow this show, and it's a, it's another incentive. We do obviously enjoy producing the content, but the point here, the point of having the pride, and the point in me asking you right now to join the Lions of the Lions of Liberty Pride is because we need your help to grow this show to take it where we want to. So, to join, go to Patreon.com/slash Lions of Liberty. Uh, Patreon is a great site. We're able to. 
uh, stream video there and, and lots of other different things that we weren't able to do with our old setup. So we're doing a lot of new things. We're excited for the future with Patreon. So please consider becoming a member of the Lions Liberty Pride today. That's it. Thank you guys for listening or watching. This is on this episode is on YouTube. So thank you so much. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fire is a liberty burning.